0: welcome to the word weaver podcast a literary place in cyberspace where i share tangible tips tricks and words of wisdom to help you achieve your dream of writing a book i'm your host louise johnson a writer and the author of behind the red door let's dive into today's chapter So hello and welcome back to the WordWeaver podcast. I am very excited about our guest today, Lizelle Sambury. She is a full-time writer and the author of Blood Like Magic, her debut dark fantasy YA novel. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: So I'm excited. I was just saying before that I feel like I know you because you have such a wealth of knowledge on your AuthorTube YouTube channel. So if you're an author out there or an aspiring writer, definitely follow her YouTube channel on social media. Lizelle is a wealth of knowledge about the publishing industry and really just gives it to you straight of how do I get a literary agent? What is a query letter? How do I get signed with a big five publisher? So that's kind of how I discovered you leading up to I think it was over a year before leading up to the launch of your debut novel, which we are two months post-pub and you launched in a pandemic. I guess we're we're both Canadian. We're kind of coming out of it slightly. How are you feeling post-publication?
1: Uh, I'm feeling really good. It, to me, like all the anticipation leading up to the book release is the most painful part of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to a point where I was like, oh my gosh, just throw it out, just <laughs> put it out there. I just wanted to over um because it's much nicer when your book is out because then people can actually go read it and when you talk about it with people you can say oh you can just go and pick it up in stores and read it yourself whereas like beforehand you have to be like well it's coming many months from now and like you know when i started my youtube channel um announced that my book coming out it was like just wait like a year and a half or something like that (laughs) And so the anticipation gets can like for me at a certain point it starts to become frustrating and so I'm really happy to be post pub because I can talk about the book um people I'm talking to have mostly read the book which is like then you can kind of get into a bit of nitty-gritty um and it's just like if people are interested they can just go get it so I feel really good and even though launch in a pandemic, it's certainly not the expectations that I had for my debut and what I expected um, being an author to look like. Uh, I think at a certain point, i adjusted expectations because i knew that was coming up um and i think the big advantage of being a 2021 debut is that those 2020 debuts really set the stage for us like they were the ones who tested out all of these things they were like starting with the zoom chats and like the virtual events and all of that so I feel like by the time it came around to my turn um I there everything was set up like publishers knew how to set up virtual events people were used to attending them and things like that and so it felt very much like I was prepared um which helped a lot. That's such a good point I didn't even think of that like
0: the 2021 debut set the stage for how to do it and you kind of launched at a time where you did the virtual events, but then you could also go into a bookstore after and see your book on shelf because they were kind of opening up at the same time. And congratulations on being the Indigo staff pick of July, by the way. That is a huge check off any debut author's bucket list. I think that's so cool. And you could go in and actually sign copies and see it in Indigo, which if you're an American listener for somewhere else, it's kind of our Barnes and Noble, the biggest bookstore in Canada. It's a really big, exciting thing to be selected as a
1: staff pick. So that's awesome. Yeah, that was super, super exciting. When they told me that I was like over the moon and then they were like, now don't tell anyone for four months. And I was yeah.
0: like, cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I can relate to those sentiments of your, I mean, I don't know how long, once you sign your book deal, And this is something else I think a lot of people don't know is that your book isn't on shelf for another one to two years, but how much longer before that were you writing and having to tell people it's coming, I'm writing a book, you'll see it in a couple years. I had the same frustration and people are like, what are you doing? Just twiddling your thumbs. Is this book even real? And there's a skepticism. So I relate to being like, you can go get it now. It's out there. But how long was that whole journey for you? I mean, I guess it's kind of a big question, but like leading up to literary agent and then pub deal or book deal and then pub date.
1: Yeah. So I started writing the book in NaNoWriMo of 2017 and Blood Like Magic was the third book I wrote. So like people around me at that point were just used to me writing books. So um, nobody was really waiting on me <laughs> in any fashion, which was helpful.
0: Under promise, um, over deliver.
1: yes so no people just knew that i like wrote books and you know the average like lay person is very confused about how the publishing industry works Mm -hmm. um so i was just writing on my own in 2017 and i after like roughly a year is when i started querying um and That was a much faster process than it had ever been before. (laughs) And within like a month and a half, something like that, uh, Christy offered representing my agent, Christy Hunter at the night agency. Um, And then we did edits on the book for six months um so that was more i think once i had an agent then there was like some like oh okay um and that's really when like anticipation starts building a little bit more but because the process is so long like so many of my friends and family just like forget about stuff in between <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um same so i was working yeah it's like natural and so i was working on edits for those six months and then we went on submission in early 2019 um and we were on submission for something like four or four and a half months something like that uh Mm -hmm. before sarah offered um so sarah mccabe at what was then simon pulse what is now margaret k mclderry um it didn't become that simon pulse was dissolved and now we just they just like reshifted us (laughs) yeah exactly Um, so an imprint
0: of simon and schuster
1: yeah they're all imprints of simon and schuster exactly yeah um And so Sarah was our offer and our only offer, and I was happy with that because I was really excited about the prospect of working with her. It was a few months before I got my edit letter, maybe like another six to eight months before I actually started doing edits on the book for it to then come out in 2021. Um, And so like, I think altogether it was like two years of work yeah Um, but at that point when you sign the book deal 2019 and you're not supposed to tell anyone but of course you secret tell a bunch (laughs) of people
0: (laughs) yeah you have that external uh, validation finally
1: yeah exactly you don't shout it out at the internet but you like tell your friends and family and that's when really the game starts because They're like okay so like when does the book come out in a few months and you're like two years from now (laughs) yeah exactly and then
0: they go well what's wrong with it why does it need so much editing and you go no it's just the way it is
1: yeah basically you're like i'm gonna be done editing this probably a year before it comes out but that's the process
0: oh i can relate to it so much and even the way you're saying like oh we had to wait another six months or eight months those periods can be very painful you're just waiting on edge everyone is asking you questions of well how's it going what's it doing and it can be especially with a debut you're learning as you go so I think it's really important to talk about that kind of thing to shed light on it's not just you write a book and boom it's in bookstores months later there is this whole kind of system that we get swept up in and taken along for the ride. But I really, I mean, signing with a big five publisher as a debut is, I mean, everyone's dream. Were you just ecstatic? And did you always have that goal? Like, I don't know if you have vision boards or you wanted a big five. Was that something you aspired to sign with or to
1: do? I wasn't really as concerned about the big five because I knew there were publishers that were outside of the big five that were still reputable publishers that could still do a really good job at launching your book mm-hmm. um so I was concerned with that I was just concerned with like I wanted to be able to sign with a reputable publisher with titles that I had heard of um, and titles that I do really good jobs with like really good marketing and really good distribution um, because I wanted to know that I could walk into a bookstore and like be able to see my book there and to know that the publisher was able to do great marketing for it Um, and it wouldn't kind of mostly fall on me because you know that's a big part of why i want to be in traditional publishing because um even though i was working in marketing at the time like for me marketing someone else's product or some brand is very different than me As a person going out and being like hey buy my book like fine to supplement and to add on to that but i really wanted someone else to be doing the bulk of the Mm -hmm. marketing um and so christy might pull together that sub list um and not all of them were big five but i trusted that they were all great publishers and great editors because of how she pulled them together i think 17 editors 17 or 18 editors that we went out with in that first round and we only did one round um so that was kind of my outlook going into it yeah that's really smart and i think it's even changing
0: i mean it was touted for so long the big 5 and now i think it's actually big 4 because penguin random house merged so but i think there's also this idea that oh we we have to sign with one of those like f- this oligopoly but the industry is changing there that big system is very archaic so there are very reputable publishers that are outside of that so i think it's good for other writers to know that that doesn't have to be the be-all end-all with your debut i, I always like to think success is a variable viewpoint so for you what a successful book launch is it could look different from another author so did you have an idea going in of for me, a success with Blood Like Magic is hitting a New York Times bestseller list, or is it seeing it in store, or is it being on like a Canadian bestseller list? Is it selling X number of copies? Did you have an idea of what a successful
1: debut looked like for you? For me, I think going into it, my idea was really loose. Like I didn't have a lot of idea of what I wanted to be I think I just had this vague idea that if I had seen it in enough places and I felt subjectively that there was enough buzz that I would feel successful Mm -hmm. Um, and then down the line I started to be like okay now I'd like some hard sales numbers (laughs) and I ended up chatting with friends about like um, what do you think are good sales numbers and what have you heard is like Pretty good for a debut, um, and gotten like a pretty wide range of like numbers, and like this is kind of the range that I've heard is like good or not. Um, and then also knowing that I could always ask my agent um, and be like, hey, was this good or how was this, and like know that he'd honestly tell me. <laughs> um, yeah. So I did eventually get to that point. I would say like two months before where I was like, okay, this is kind of what I would like my sales to look like and what if i got these sales i would feel that the book was doing well um and then that ended up working out and i did end up in those numbers and i was like okay the book is doing well and then i just was like okay uh what now because after that point you know that's the thing about publishing i find and like being an author is that you are always having constantly goal posts and i found that even of my professional life when i was working in social media and working in marketing your goal post is always changing um and maybe that's just ambition naturally <laughs> that you start to want more and more things but i've always felt very realistic about what i've expected from my book um I didn't have any designs on being on bestseller lists or anything like that, um, because I do feel I, you know, I was like, I feel like this is a mid-list title. And so I had expectations for what other mid-list titles perform at. Um, and so in that way, I'm kind of a bit like pragmatic <laughs> in that. I Smart. But yes, I didn't have any huge designs on being on bestseller lists. Um, I think it's great to have those dreams. Of course, one day I would want to like, be in book boxes and have special editions and things like that. Um, but I think very much from book to book and kind of base my expectations on how I subjectively feel things are going. Um, and in that way, I can still be really happy when like things I really didn't expect happen like being you know the indigo staff pick of the month um i really did not expect that and that was wonderful that that happened um but then it also helps me kind of manage um i'm not going to be super disappointed like if my numbers were slightly lower than i had expected that would have been fine Um, and so that's kind of i've been going about this and i think that every title is different and very much in the debut experience. I know that just because I don't get all of the things on one book, that doesn't mean that another book can't achieve those things.
0: Right. I love how pragmatic you are. I think that's really a smart way to approach it, to kind of not have. I mean, like you said, it's a balance of dreaming, but also having realistic expectations. And you're pleasantly surprised with how the post launch has kind of unfolded. And I think that's a nice way to be. I want to kind of go back a little bit because you mentioned Blood Like Magic is your third book, which I actually find very interesting. And recently, correct me if I'm wrong, or maybe it was a year ago, you kind of made the switch to being a full-time author. Was it about a year ago?
1: yeah so what happened was uh in march 2020 at the beginning of COVID, because i used to do social media marketing but for a travel company and when COVID happened travel was not so great tough industry um, so, <laughs> yeah a very tough industry so uh, like a very large portion of the company was laid off which also included me um and at that point it was kind of like i myself an accidental full-time author because right something i was trying to do but now that i didn't have that job writing was technically the only job i had um and so i was focusing in on that while i was trying to find full-time work um and after like close to a year of trying to find like day job work and not able to um and feeling really like down on myself and i thought to myself well you've gone a year so far without this um what if you could write full-time and i thought about it um and then i ended up getting my second book deal um for two ya books um butcher birds being the first one and then an untitled second standalone and at that point i crunched the numbers and i realized um spread out over a three-year period it would have been the same as the salary i would have gotten from a day job and at that point i thought why don't i just Right, full time on purpose. Right. Um, so I just kind of made that transition. It was basically the same. The differences were that I was it was on purpose now. It was no longer by accident, um, and I was you know living my life that way and knowing that this was something I wanted to continue with and planning my career for. Um, wanting to continue writing full time. And so that was the big shift. So I've technically been like doing it for a year. And like, I've been purposely doing it for like six months.
0: (laughs) And how are you finding it? Do you find you're very productive? And like your root, what's your writing routine during the day? I mean, right now you have the marketing hat on, you're doing the promotion. But then you said you signed two other books. So are you balancing writing book two and book three with marketing Blood Like Magic? How are your days looking and do you enjoy it being a full-time writer, author?
1: Yeah, I absolutely love it. Um, It was very much like besides like everything I dreamed of a full-time author. um, I do really enjoy being able to work on books during my day. I'm doing a lot of ideating, so I'm kind of checking out books and like watching documentaries and like brainstorming so it's a little bit more loose but i'm drafting which i just drafted um finished drafting something last week so i wake up at 30 i'm at my computer at nine um i usually write until something like 10 30 then i take a break until one so like it's a very extended lunch (laughs) love it and then at one o'clock pop back into writing and i'm usually done for the day my word count by like 2 p.m something like that oh, that's um great. and then i just kind of do whatever yeah it's great i usually do reading i've done the most reading this year that i've ever done um i've read 82 books already wow. um yeah so i basically spend most of my day writing and reading and then like i have some break time I'll play like the Sims and stuff and I'll listen to audiobooks, So I'm still technically reading, (laughs) so it's really, really nice for me. And um, I find that I've recently set up a schedule where I do do now like a Monday to Friday schedule, nine to not five, nine to two, really, which is nice for me. And then I take weekends off and that's been working really, really well. So it's a bit different in that I do need to be strict with myself but I've always been strict with myself like when I worked my day job I would wake up at 5 30 in the morning and I would go and like six o'clock I'd be in front of my computer and I'd write until I had to leave for work at 7 30 and that's how I got books done Um, so I've always kind of been vigilant with myself Um, now I feel really more more free more lackadaisical because you know I'm at work <laughs> but work, yeah. Right. At 9 a.m. I finish early. I have a long break in the middle. Um, and so it's nice to have that sort of freedom and the location freedom as well. Like finally had our vaccinations and everything. So we went down to Toronto for a week and I was able to do that. And I just brought my computer with me and it was. Uh, simple to do, and I was able to not write if I wanted to or write if I want to. I really like the freedom of being able to set my own schedule.
0: That's amazing. And like you said, I think people always think writing is just sitting down at your computer and hacking away at a keyboard, but writing is also reading, like you said, and taking those extended breaks so that you can allow yourself the time for those ideas to marinate. It's kind of a 24-7 job, but It doesn't feel like work so i think that's a really nice schedule you've set up
1: yeah absolutely and that's it's totally true that it is kind of a 24 7 work thing like there are times i'm in the shower and i think of something and times i'm laying in bed and i'll think of something and i write my notes app and i recently got scrivener on my phone so i can write things down directly in the scrivener files that i'm working in and so It's true, I'm always thinking about the stories, even if I'm not actively sitting down and typing them out. I was going to ask you, what kind of tools do
0: you use? Do you write longhand? You mentioned Scrivener, I'm a big Scrivener fan. So you, is that, have you always written in that kind of word processing program?
1: I'm not great with handwriting. I really don't like using paper things because I tend to lose them. They tend to be very disorganized. Um, and so I used to use Microsoft Word primarily, and then I discovered Scrivener, which works a lot better for me because I create folders for, you know, transferring over the little things I write on my phone, notes for uh, world building and for characters. And I get to, basically separate everything out being able to move around chapters if I want to move around chapters um, and so I do all of my uh, drafting and my developmental edits in Scrivener but at some point I have to switch over to Microsoft Word because when you get into line edits and your editor is putting in those very like track changes sort of things then I have to be in Microsoft Word so at a certain point Once I get to line edits, it's all in Microsoft Word. Um, And then eventually, because now we've been doing digital past pages. Mm -hmm. So before for past, they would like, send you a physical paper manuscript and you would mark it up Um, and since they've sent pdfs and it's good because i actually got an ipad pro with an apple pencil um, and so i just marked the pdf as if i were marking paper oh that's Um, smart yeah because i can kind of just like handwrite things or cross out things well i'm so impressed with your discipline
0: to sit down and write even when you had a full-time job does the writing always flow naturally for you? Like you said, you just sat down at 5.30 previously and wrote until you had to go to work. Did you ever hit quote unquote writer's block?
1: How, or does it just flow naturally? For me, because I'm a very heavy plotter now, If I'm going to have like quote unquote writer's block, it's going to happen in a very early stage of the process Mm -hmm. that I'll be, you know, I use save the cat, um, as my outlining or my story structure. So if I'm going to hit a block, it's usually going to happen during that plot phase of me deciding, you know, okay, um, what do I want to happen at the midpoint? And what do I want to happen during this section? And how is the character going to evolve and that sort of thing um but usually i don't have what i would call writer's block i will encounter kind of a problem and i don't know solution right then and then i usually step back from the computer and i just kind of think about it all day and usually by the end of the day or the next day i've thought of a solution to it so it's very short-lived i don't usually have times where I encounter a problem and I'm, you know, away for a week and pondering on it for a week. Like usually I think of it within a day or two so that when I'm sitting down to draft, I've already worked through all those problems. And then I'm also the sort of drafter where if a new problem pops up when I'm drafting, I usually will just draft through it with the idea that I'll fix it later. So I draft continuing to follow my outline with sometimes I'll tweak something on the fly and I know it's not perfect but I know I'm going to fix it when I go back to revise um, and so it's easier for me to kind of dedicate that time and even if I'm dedicating time to revising when I revise I also revise based on a plan that I right. put together because I've sat down and I've read the whole book and I've made a bunch of notes and like plotted out how i'm going to fix everything so that when i'm actually revising it's the same thing i'm following a very specific guide um which kind of helps me basically like feel like i'm not wasting time in that when i sit down to do work i'm able to do the work um which was especially important to me when i had my day job because it was kind of like okay i have an hour and a half in the morning to do this and so i can't sit here for 30 minutes thinking about what i'm gonna do right. I need to know by the time i sit down.
0: Yeah, you have to have a reference point so you can just get right into it. And that's a good tip, too, to let yourself write the draft through and know that you can always edit later. Don't try to do both at once. Yeah. Have you always wanted to be an author? I mean, you're so knowledgeable about the whole publishing industry, plotting, drafting. Has
1: this always been a dream of yours? so when i was like in high school i wanted to be an author and i wanted to have a book but for a lot of like my quote unquote youth um, (laughs) i didn't want to be a full-time writer because i felt very deeply that it was just impossible um and so i always had an idea that i would have a day job and that i would be working that um and i had a lot of ambitions for how that would go but full-time writing was an impossibility. And so it wasn't going to happen. So when I pictured myself as an author, it was always alongside something else. That was kind of like an interesting difference because I wanted to definitely be an author and I wanted to have a book published. I just felt that it was deeply unrealistic to think that that would be my whole job. <laughs> um, there, yeah, yeah, There's the prefix
0: of struggling before writer usually.
1: Yes that was very much it and I feel like and no one ever said that to me I feel like it was just very pop culture influenced like when you watch movies and the writers are always like struggling and they're sad and you know they have problems and they don't have any money and you know things are really difficult for them (laughs) and so I think I just assumed that's what that would be like which like certainly in some cases like working full-time as an author can be very much a struggle but it's mm-hmm. so individual to your circumstances and like privileges that you have in place or don't have in place and like things like living in Canada and having healthcare that is free and like if you don't live in a country like that yeah no that's
0: so true I love that you always had that as an idea though even if it was part-time full-time writing was always something that you were going to do. And it was just a matter of figuring out how to fit it into your life. So I think that's very inspiring and very cool that you never forgot about it. You didn't just throw it away or put it on the back burner. You were trying to figure out how do I incorporate this? So I think that, and then now it's amazing and you've stuck with it and you're a full-time author. You've kind of achieved, surpassed that dream and you're a role model for other people who want to do this full-time or start part-time and see how you can do it. So I applaud you. I think that's very amazing. Thank you. So where did the idea for Blood Like Magic come? And I love that it's set in, well, a near future Toronto, where we're both from. Did you always know you were gonna set it in Toronto and was it always going to be, I mean, how did you come up with the idea of kind of this urban fantasy novel of a family of black witches? I love that whole idea.
1: Yeah. So when I was, it was Manoramo 2017. And I had actually started with a different project about like death reapers and I just wasn't feeling it. Mm-hmm. And I had started to see around that time from agents being like, oh my gosh, no more reaper books. And I was like, oh <laughs> God. What is Cancel. Happening? Yeah. Control, so, Alt, delete. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And around that time I had had an idea about doing a book about a family of black witches um, just because I've always loved writing about witches and magic and I hadn't really seen anything where it was you know a family that was all black witches and yeah. I had seen representations of witches who were black and I they hadn't quite jived with me um, I believe the one that stood out in my mind was um, American Horror Story which I loved <laughs> like a serialized tv show yeah and they at coven season and everybody loved it and i wanted to love it but i was so distracted by how the representation of uh the black witch was and in that specific coven and it felt like she was kind of like the butt of the joke and i really enjoy it (laughs) and i really love that actress as well um and so it was nice to have this idea of like a family of black witches that would be a positive (laughs) representation and around that time i was living up north where i actually live now um but for the first time and i was feeling very homesick um and that's when toronto really became that focus i wanted to write something set in my city and i wanted to be able to explore all these landmarks um, and places that i loved that i wasn't living in anymore and so i thought you know what i'm just gonna write this book um write the book about a family of black witches i'm gonna set it in toronto uh putting in the future was very on the fly and just truly for fun i just thought it would be cool yeah and so that ended up coming together and then i started with that image of a girl in a bath of blood and i had to figure out where to go from there. I loosely plotted, but very much didn't do that much. At that point, it was a lot of discovery writing. And part of that was because I was a NaNoWriMo and I was like, I gotta finish by the end of the month and I don't have enough time to do this. And part of that was just, I didn't have a plotting process in place. I was still learning how to plot books properly. And so that ended up being pants or discovery written. And then later on, I imposed structure on it once I understood what I was doing.
0: Oh, cool. You kind of reverse
1: engineered it. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's neat. Yeah. It's basically you wrote the book that you wanted to read, which is amazing and so mm-hmm. cool that you also have the pressure of kind of NaNoWriMo to push you to see if you could get through to the end of it. And that ended up being whatever happened to your first two books that you wrote before Blood Like Magic. Are they ever going to see the light of day or have you kind of put them in a drawer?
1: Uh yeah, I don't think they will. The second <laughs> one was problematic, so that one definitely won't see the light of day. The first one was a werewolf book I myself writing, a werewolf book anytime soon. Um but there are some elements that I liked about it. I liked the characters, planted them into a different novel idea that I'm going to try writing in the future. So that book itself is shelved, but like mm-hmm. some things elements pulling out of it and using, yeah. Oh, that's good. Do you find it easy for
0: ideas to come to you, or do you find they kind of come in creative spurts?
1: Uh, ideas are very easy for me. Yeah. I have a lot of ideas. I'm anytime I think of something, I put it in the notes app in my phone i have two of them because the first one started um loading too slow because there were too so many. many ideas <laughs> so i had to start another uh, little note on my phone to keep going with it so yeah for me like ideas are very much a dime a dozen without even trying so i usually have a lot and then later it's up to me to kind of choose something and impose structure on it and see if it can actually go for a whole book sometimes I take out my ideas and I'm like this wasn't a whole book this was two <laughs> seconds it's idea. a
0: scene it's a cinematic element but not a full story yeah it's I have a yeah. catch-all I- notebook because I would have ideas and put them in my notes app and then lose them so now I have one dedicated notebook that I'll just always transcribe immediately because I'm so scared I'm going to lose my ideas <laughs> that's really good yeah Uh, So I kind of want to pivot a little bit to social media because I think you do it really well and it's not necessarily something authors are always good at. And we, we kind of have to be Jill of all trades, so to speak. Like we have to be a writer, but then also be our own authorpreneurs and the idea of a platform and having a social media presence to market our book and connect with readers, I think has become pretty important, but how important do you think it is? I'm really curious to
1: hear your thoughts about it. To me, I have like a pretty solid idea in that, to me, it is the publisher's job to sell your book. Um, And so the author marketing that you choose to do and social media that you choose to do, um, to me is for building community. Uh, it's for you to connect with readers it's for you to share the things that you want to share Um, i think you can even get sales from the things you promote on there but i always believe the bulk of the sales of your book are going on publisher efforts i feel like sometimes authors want to be very active in promoting because it gives you agency and you feel like you have control over something and if i post this many times per day then I feel like I'm doing something, and I'm contributing to the sale of my book. Um, And sometimes I feel like that ends up being more (laughs) of the push. I think it can do great things in like trying to get people aware of your book, um, and trying to drum up interest, and just sharing knowledge about your book. And I think that's great, and I think it's great if authors do that amount of promotion. Um, I think sometimes there are some publishers who will act like your individual efforts are more impactful than i think they truly are Um, and so i kind of have a, I guess, a complicated feeling about it. I think authors who want to promote and who want to share things about their book and are wanting to know different ways about doing that, I think that's great to learn about. Like if you want to do a cute little video or if you want to know how to put together graphics for your launch events and things like that, I think those are all great skills for authors to learn and to be able to put out there and Definitely, I would encourage them to promote your book. You know, if you have a cover reveal now, a lot of the times um, your publisher is giving you the image and you post it on your so- social media. And so that gives you a chance to tell people, hey, here's my cover or here's my release date or here's my title or look, I, have, I got my physical copies and now I'm sharing it with you. Um, and to connect with people, really that community building aspect that can be really nice for an author to just feel like they're interacting with the people who are reading them and they're getting it out there with me and authors and social media i always feel like i want to have people feel like you don't this isn't the make or break of your career yeah. um, you are you're posting on social media um is my feeling about it and so i think all the social media that authors do and engage in should be things that they actually want to do. Um, So I do a YouTube channel because I want to do a YouTube channel. Um, And I talk about all different things on there. And if people see that I have a book and they're like, hey, I'd love to check out and buy that book, that's awesome. That's great. But I don't think the bulk of my sales are coming from people watching the YouTube video or from people seeing my Instagram posts or like watching the very rare TikTok that I post. (laughs) Um, I think it comes from my publisher putting the book in the bookstore and like having it on displays and I think social media is really great for buzz also Mm -hmm. Um, you know someone sees your post and they think it's really cool and they share it around with people I think that can have power I think word of mouth from readers can be really powerful and if you know readers have somewhere where they can go and they can learn updates about you that they can share Mm -hmm. I think that's great and so that's kind of my complicated thing with it I think social media for authors definitely has a place. I think it's great if authors want to do that and learn with that and um, it gives them agency to, you know, if they feel like their publisher isn't really doing as much as they want them to, then they can hop on their own social media and they can put out posts and they can feel like something is being done. Um, And I think that can have a big psychological advantage. But I think at the end of the day, it is not the job of the author to sell copies it's the job of the publisher to sell copies um, and if the author sells copies too then that's
0: awesome it's a bonus right i'm so happy i asked you that question i knew you would have the perfect answer and i couldn't relate more because i think that is a struggle even i struggle with it and I've, some of my author friends struggle with the idea of well now i'm being told i need to be on book talk and do reels and All of that content for the book takes away from the actual writing of future books. And it it becomes too far weighted in the content creation aspect of being an author than the actual drafting, writing, and creating really good stories and taking the time to make sure the product itself is quality. So I'm happy that you said that. Because I do find in traditional publishing, kind of, I mean, at least in my experience, it was more, I got a launch week and maybe a three-week campaign, and then the onus was on me to kind of keep it up and keep it going. And I found it a struggle. The self-promotion feels icky, and I just want to connect with a community. So I was, I'm was, i happy I asked you because I found that a struggle, and I love that you just kind of nailed it of what I feel.
1: Yeah. and it's really difficult i think it's difficult too because if you know in the case where someone's publisher is not doing as much promotion as they would like um it can very much feel like now it has become your job Mm -hmm. to do this for them um and i think that can be really difficult because then you know you can have some authors who their publishers do a ton for them and they're like well i don't really need to post on social media right and then there can be others whose publishers aren't doing very much for them they're like well i have to be on here 24 seven but then you can burn out from that and and like you said it takes away from the actual work of the writing and I think there's definitely a balance there and I really hope that you know authors are pulling away from like burning yourself out and like you know putting your mental health at risk to do this thing that you now feel is your job when your job was always just to write the book
0: yeah 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 that hustle and grind culture is very, I mean, it's seductive in a way. It, it, you're kind of taught this is what you need to do to get to the top and survive in it. But I think you illustrated perfectly even explaining your writing routine. You take weekends off, you stop your work day at 2 p.m. You have to give yourself those breaks. Otherwise you will burn out and mental health is of the utmost importance. So I think that's great that you found a way. And I find it very inspiring how you have structured your day. I'm, I want to start taking some more of that and not feel like I have to be always be on.
1: Yeah, it's nice to have the structure. And I used to do it where I would, when I was gonna work on a project, I would work every single day on that project until I finished it in like little chunks. And honestly, like I would just have days where I'd be so tired. And then i would take the day off and then i'd be like great now my schedule is thrown off and i the nine to five was something i'd seen a couple authors do um in particular i remember seeing uh june her who's the author of the silence of bones and um also a canadian yeah. <laughs> based author. and it's nice to even just like in like your daily life in that like on the weekend I have the full day off. And so it's no longer a thing of like my partner being like, okay, I just have to like come in here and I have to write for two hours. And then we can like do stuff together because I'm like, I don't have anything to do. So <laughs> if there's anything you want to do, we can do that as well. Um, yeah, definitely giving yourself breaks. And um, a lot of that has been a learning even just through watching other people. Um, I think because so many authors warned about burnout mm-hmm. me going into it, um, I had the mindset of uh, yeah. trying not to do too much. And there was even a point where I was still doing too much. And another author was kind enough to say to me, ask your publisher for all of this stuff. And I ended up doing that. And my publisher did a ton of things for me um, that took things off of my plate. Um, and even some things like, you know, they did some quote graphics for me. I can do a quote graphic. Of course, I know how to do that. But because they did it, I didn't have to do it. And then I had more time for other things and I wasn't taking on so many things on my plate because there are other debut authors I know who have in hindsight been like, I did too much. And then I ended up burning out and then I was so tired. And then I disappeared from social media for several months because I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, And so I feel like witnessing all of those things has made me especially more like really like put the onus on your publisher if you can. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you can't also give yourself grace and time and like, don't hurt yourself trying to do this thing. That is technically not your job.
0: Yeah, that's such good advice. Outsource when you can, especially to the publisher. And then it's also the importance of not feeling guilty of doing that and taking that time off. Because if you're going to feel guilty, you might as well not do it. You have to let yourself really enjoy that day off and feel good about outsourcing it. Otherwise, you're just kind of still hurting your own mental health.
1: Yeah, and it's difficult. And I feel like especially when people, when you get a book deal, you feel like someone has done you a favor, like they have blessed you (laughs) with the thing that you possibly wanted your entire life. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be like, you know it feels that part of humility is you just like doing everything yourself but that's not the case you know this is a partnership this is a business you and the publisher are working together so that you can both reap the benefits of the project um and so thinking about it that way um you know any job you're at you don't do everything you don't do all the jobs because you feel blessed to have the job right Um, you do the parts that are your part and sometimes you take on other parts, um, but not at the detriment of what is your position at the company.
0: That's such a healthy mindset and a really, really important reminder. I like that. Well, I want to know, because so you have two book deals in the works. I mean, I mean, sorry, you've already signed another two book deal coming out in 2022 and 2023. I would love to know what is kind of your short-term future what does that look like and your long-term goals for the future are you going on a book tour for blood like magic now that the world's kind of opening up what is
1: next for Lizelle Sanbury uh, I'm just working on the next book in the next book that's kind of in style um, so uh, the second blood like magic book will be coming out I now know the date August 9th of 2022 um, and so we've been working on that my editor has my latest round of edits on that and so when she gets back to me we'll be doing more on that um, in 2023 i have butcher birds and so that we're not working on yet but that will come in the future um, so i'm just letting that sit um, and then i'll have an untitled YA in 2024 and i've oh submitted God. the proposal for that so we'll see um what the publisher thinks of that and if that's good to move forward on and then outside of that i've been trying to work on an adult project um, to see if i can have something come out in the adult age category just recently finished drafting that and so i'll be working on doing edits on that very focused on my writing yeah on the marketing side it's been good in that i've been able to lean on my publisher you know things come up come through my publicist for blood like magic that i do Um, and eventually on my youtube channel i'll do some sort of spoiler chat for people who have read the book and like want to talk about all spoilers in the book happening so that will definitely be coming in the future Um, and then otherwise at some point i guess focus will shift to the second book and marketing the second book. Um, But yeah, I've been very like chill ad hoc about it, (laughs) Um, which I think is a carryover from my pledge to not stress myself out and overwork myself. And like my focus is very much on my books and writing more books and editing and doing that sort of thing.
0: I love that so much. It's just like reminding, enjoy the journey. It's supposed to be fun. If you're killing yourself to get there to the end of the publishing date, it's what is it all for? This is your career. This is your life. You're blending it all. And I think that's really, really incredible. Well, can before we kind of end off, can you tell everybody where they can find you online, purchase Blood Like Magic, all of that good stuff?
1: Yes, uh, you can find me online under my name, Lizelle Sambri, on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. Though I will say on TikTok, I post very occasionally. It's very much when the fancy takes me, I post something. (laughs) Really, I would say the same for Instagram, but YouTube, I'm extremely regular. I post every Tuesday. Um, And I'm also at LizelleSambri.ca for my website. And you can purchase Blood Like Magic um, in bookstores in the U.S. and Canada at Barnes & Noble or Indigo.
0: Congratulations on the successful launch. I really, really loved getting to meet you and chat with you. This was really enjoyable for me. And I can't wait to just continue reading all your books and watching your success flourish.
1: Ah, Thanks so much. This was great.